to entertain you, we'll sing your songs. Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! The right support can change the trajectory of your life. Southern Live Oak Wellness makes taking that first step possible. If you have concerns with your mental health, contact our 24-hour support team at slowhelp.com. That's slowhelp, S-L-O-W-H-E-L-P.com. Make mental health a priority. of Horror Movie Night. This week we are talking about a movie that I picked, which is Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master, better known as the one with the cockroach death and not much else. And I think it's time for us to to jump into the movie unless anybody has anything they want to talk to us about beforehand. I've been having bad dreams. <laughs> which, which, honestly, <laughs> I just now realized how that's relevant to this episode. <laughs> All right, well, tell us about the nightmare on Bryan Street real quick. I mean, I've been having them all week, but this one was just insane because it was one dream. Like, this is one dream I had in a singular night, not waking up in multiple dreams. This is all one. It started off, someone was watching Buddy, and he texted me and said that Buddy got into a bunch of pills and was overdosing. So I had to go and make sure that he didn't die. He got in the hospital. He was stable. Then I go out, and I'm at a park with my friends, which, like, Bad owner, Brian, what are you doing leaving your dog in a hospital? But it was a dream, so cut me some slack. Me and my friends are there. <laughs> Anthony Ranieri is there. Matt, I don't know if you know my friend Mike Still, but Mike Still was in this dream. And Anthony Ranieri loved Mike Still and just could not stand me. Like, every time I came up to talk to him, <laughs> every time I came up to talk to him, he just would be like, who is this guy? And for some reason, I knew. I was like, don't do it, don't do it. But every time I would go up to him, I would just start naming lyrics to his songs so then that's done. Jade ends up leaving me. She's like, I just can't be with you anymore. I don't want to be with you anymore. She leaves. And then I go into work with my new job that I just moved to in Georgia. And he's like freaking out. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, we're shut down. 
we don't have a company anymore. And I was like, my life is in shambles. And then I woke up and I'm like, what a terror, what is, what have all my dreams just combined into one shit what, show? Well, my favorite thing is, is that your combination of the worst things ever is that your dog almost dies, that you lose your what that you lose your wife, that you lose your job, and that the singer of Bayside might not like you as a person. <laughs> you know, I've had dreams about celebrities not liking me before. But I, this one hurt more because imagine them not liking you, but really liking your friend. <laughs> like, imagine if me and you were out and like David Wayne, we ran into like David Wayne or John Waters and he adored me and just did not like you every time you opened your <laughs> mouth. <laughs> All right. That would be a little devastating. Speaking of a little bit devastating, Nightmare on Elm Street, part four, the Dream Master, truly the the point where the... <laughs> Where the franchise fell into a hole that it had a very difficult time ever truly fully crawling out of after this point. Uh, and I believe it's somewhere around the point where Freddy throws on some Ray-Bans after doing a Jaws parody with his glove. You've hit the point of no return on the Freddy Krueger cool scale. There's a few things that I will say positively about this movie beyond the cockroach death. The cockroach death we could talk for hours about because it's easily the best kill in Freddy history. But there's a few things in this movie that I think... People don't talk about enough. I'm going to say something that I never thought I would say. But I think that Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, has the best song in any Nightmare on Elm Street movie because that Anything Anything song by Dramarama is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a good song. But Dream Warriors has Dream Warriors. <laughs> I'm really upset with you because... You're ignoring Dream Warriors. I know that you're like, I, I love you, but there is like, it is the greatest hair metal song of all time, only possibly challenged by Round and Round by Rat. There's no way that Drama fucking Rama is a better Nightmare on Elm Street song. No. <laughs> to no. be fair, I also argue that I think the Goo Goo Dolls song in Freddy's Dead I like more than Dream I'm Warriors. I'm quitting the so. show. I'm quitting the show until next week, guys. So if you expect to see me on the Facebook group, you probably will because I have nothing else to do and I have low self-esteem and I need you guys to like me. I, so I said Dream Warriors. I'm on your team, Scott. Let's yeah. kick Matt out. <laughs> we need him to edit this first. Well, no, that's the thing. We're just going to kick him out and send him our files every week. <laughs> I, I think that the soundtrack in general to... so. I had this note. This is the fold note because I went back and added it to the note and said, legitimately, anything, anything might low key be the best song in any Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And then about an hour later, I wrote down the rap song that Debbie listens to while lifting weights, however, is by far the worst song in any Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Anything, anything is the best non Nightmare on Elm Street song in Nightmare on Elm Street. That I can accept. Okay. That's fair. It's a good song. I also don't hate the theme song, the like running from this nightmare. Like it's definitely a song that you would only get away with in like 1987, as far as like throwing in the ba in like a theme song to a movie. But I I can't I couldn't even hum hum that song. I wouldn't even remember it was called Running from This Nightmare if I didn't have it written on my sheet of paper up here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate this movie. Like rewatching it, I was like 
this really isn't where the the franchise fell off. It's not great. No, no. and I don't think that it's a bad... I still would say that this is a better movie than Part 5 by a mile. Oh, of course. Yeah, Part 5 is truly atrocious. It is the worst Nightmare on Elm Street movie. But I also think, and you know that I'm like a big defender of Freddy's Dead, but I would also argue that it's the only one in the franchise that I actually think is a bad, like, unwatchable movie. Like... I enjoy one through four. I enjoy Freddy's Dead. I enjoy Wes Craven's new nightmare. Like the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is a very tight franchise. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not knocking that five's not good and the worst movie, but it's not to the point where like, if I decided that I was going to like rewatch all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, it's like not worth skipping five. Yeah. Just, you know what I mean? It's like, you might as well. Yeah, it's got the it's, cool bite. Yeah, oh yeah, it's like if you. That's the thing about Nightmare on Elm Street is that no movie is worth truly skipping, uh, mm-hmm. no matter how bad it is, because it's still entertainment. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Friday the Thirteenth is the kind of franchise that you're like, if you were like, oh, I'm gonna watch the whole franchise, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like <laughs> half those movies are totally unwatchable. This is the only one that I think I could legitimately sit and watch in a day and not be like completely burned out by it or bored or bored by it. Like, yeah. It's not even just bored. You're right. Burnt out is the right term because you watch like four Friday the 13th and then you're like, have I really wasted eight years of my life podcasting <laughs> about this shit? You know what I mean when I say like the point of no return is that when people think of comedian freddy like yes that does start i don't even think it's that bad i don't i don't think that the the ray-ban scene is that bad i think it's fun because the 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 worst part about this movie is a budgetary issue oh it's not the karate kill yeah yeah that's all it is it's not even like you know they they had plans they just couldn't manifest them i don't and I, i even when they're mediocre kills in this movie, which I do think that the beach scene is a mediocre kill. It's one of the lamest Freddy kills. I mean, like, it's lame because it's not fun. You know, like, that's all you're watching Freddy kill for. It's because they're supposed to be fun kills, right? And yeah. And so, like, it's just, it happens really fast. And you're like, eh, you know, it's, like, forgettable. Like, a year ago, I had completely forgotten about the Freddy Ray-Ban scene because I was like, that's not real. That's a Pepsi commercial, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then we started talking about it, and, and then obviously, you know, we watch it for this. But, like, you know, uh, let's say 2018, I, I wasn't thinking about that as a, a real thing. I was like, oh, the worst kills are in five, you know? But it also has the be- some of the best kills that got totally ruined by editing, but that's a different episode yeah. discussion. I, I mean, I think that there's some good, I, like, yes, obviously the cockroach one is iconic. I actually think that Sheila's death is pretty decent. Is that when they suck the life out of her? Yeah, is where Sheila he sucks the, the life girl? out of her. And, it was too yeah. fast. That's my biggest problem with that movie. It was, or with that scene, rather. It's, it's too fast, but it's also, here's the thing that I kind of like about this movie, right? There's a there's a positive and negative, right? I think that the idea that Alice gets the powers to bring people into dreams, it's kind of a stretch. Like that's that's only like one step away from where we get in part five where it's like Freddy can kill anybody as long as a baby inside someone's stomach is sleeping. Yeah. Like like it's it's a bit of a stretch. But that scene specifically highlights where the real horror is in this for her is that she is trapped in that seat, unable to do anything, knowing that she is killing her friend. 
And like, that is like really psychologically fucked up. And I think that that's like one of the better ideas in this movie. Some stuff holds up really well. I mean, we've talked a million times about the cockroach death being great on this show. Something that doesn't hold up so well is maybe like, this is another like back and forth. I think like Freddy tearing open his shirt and having that chest full of people's faces is a great effect. So good. Him eating the sausages with people's faces off the pizza, however, <laughs> not, not not as great. I yeah, I actually have another that says long. it's not that bad. Yeah, I just think they kept they. There's a shot of the meatball on his claw. We'll call it. Uh, yeah, and that was a little too long. Where it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's I can really see the detail. Tiny little, yeah, like there's just a tiny little animatronic in it. The mouth is just like a goldfish mouth. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm totally fine with it. You know, like I don't have a problem with that because it's cheesy and it's fun. I mean, it's a meatball pizza, so of course it's cheesy, guys. I love soul food. <laughs> so, so one of the things, one of the other things that, I, speaking of the chess piece specifically, but we'll jump into to boob talk for a quick second. Is that, Are you talking about Linnea? <laughs> well, I was going to say Linnea is literally only in this movie to press her boobs through Freddy's chest at the end of the movie, which is crazy. But if you remove that piece of it, I realize watching this movie that literally excluding the Linnea boobs in Freddy's chest, the only nudity in any Friday the 13th movie comes from that horn dog Joey. <laughs> For real. Well, here's the thing, though, is that... Yes, we don't get any boobs, but there is some side boob in the first one when she falls through the bathroom. But then we get man ass at least one time, if not twice, in part two. And then part three, we get the naked nurse. And in part four, horn dog at it again. I mean, there's no, there's <laughs> it's always you know, Joey. I don't yeah. think that there's nudity in part five. When we get there, eventually we'll confirm. But I'm pretty sure the only times that there's nudity in a movie is if Joey's around. I mean, I get, you're welcome, I guess. But you know, like <laughs> to, yeah. and there's something really like talk about like there's moments even in like the cheesier Freddy movies. There are like really horrific moments, and I think the mom finding her son's corpse inside of the waterbed. Is How do like, you explain that, though? I like, know, the that's point, what I mean. <laughs> the whole fucking point of why Freddy is cool is when shit happens and people are like, oh my god, how did this happen? Not, oh my god, this is impossible. Yeah. No, I, and that I was thinking that same thing, but man, what a scary thing to have to walk into is just a corpse in a waterbed. One of the things that I had a problem with is the script. There's a line of dialogue in this script. So Debbie shows up. The first time we see Debbie... She's talking about how she had to choose between homework or dynasty. Yeah. And uh, the I, I forget his name, but the brother who's who's the karate expert is like, man, soaps will kill you, which literally in any script writing class, that is a like foreshadowing that. Their death yep. is going to be based in some type of soap opera but setting. She's, but she's also she's trying to be a model. Why would she be <laughs> lifting weights? Like. You know, that actually, you're right. That caught me this time and was very odd. I don't know why they did that. And then they, like, five seconds later, insert her fear of cockroaches. And I'm like, but you already had the setup. You had the subtle setup to how she can die. People don't watch Nightmare on Elm Street for subtlety, all right? (laughs) You know? I didn't catch the cockroach thing until this time watching it. (laughs) Yeah, it's all right. Because it's one scene. It's it's, a quick scene. ah! It's a cockroach. Kill it. The, the one thing that bothered me more than it should have um, is when she starts to realize that she's getting really good at martial arts. 
and I guess this is just me being old and paranoid, but like she is swinging nunchucks around so close to a fish tank, and it gave me anxiety <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> so, so here's the thing: she learns that she has karate, and one of the more uncomfortable notes that I've had to write down is that Alice and her brother have the strangest sexual chemistry. I know! <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Like, you're watching, you're like, why were they cast as siblings when they clearly have, like, a very sexual, like, tension in their... They're literally the meme, what if we kissed? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I do love I do love her brother's funeral scene though, where he just throws open the casket and he's doing his best big bopper impersonation. Not to get off track of the movie, but I do want to address something that Scott just said about that meme. For Valentine's Day, okay. I saw a lot of people posting their first conversations with their with their loved ones. So I thought it would be funny to take those memes and put it like they were my own. The amount of people <laughs> that thought that they were real. <laughs> Made me question my whole existence. <laughs> I love how that's what made you question your existence and not how stupid people have been through a fucking pandemic. He's, he's seen it all day, every day. So we got to see Robert England in this movie do his best earnest trying to escape jail impression. Oh, thank you so much for catching that because I literally have a... I, I, I had to be like, Robert England as a nurse looks like Jim Varney as an old oh, lady. Oh, God, we do need to start releasing some of the videos from these because Brian's reaction to that reference was perfect. <laughs> Shit, I should be watching Brian and not, not uh, reading my notes. As soon as he popped up, I was like, Oh God! Please let this be a nightmare and not like just some weird casting where they're like, I don't know, she didn't show up. Robert, throw on that wig real quick. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you, you also forgot that that was him, right? Like when you, yeah. that first two seconds, three seconds, what you're like, man, that's a, that's a husky woman. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have like a lot of shit that I have been overlooking here. So we, we. Two things that I like. I know that we're just kind of like playfully ragging on this movie, but I gotta get serious for just two little pinpoints here. One, Kincaid and Sheila. Sheila's uh, the one who has asthma, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. They get done so fucking dirty, and like I remember watching Never Sleep Again, or most of it, because goddamn that movie is that documentary is like six hours long. <laughs> I. I Remember them being like, "Oh, both both those actors were in in it, and they're like, you know, it was it was good to be like a person of color in in a in a sea of white people in horror movies." And and I'm like, "Was it?" So here's what I so I, I bounce between. Kincaid both gets of them. killed so fast, and Sheila has no character development, and her death is the fastest death in the movie. Yeah, but I think the one thing that I will say because I almost wrote down. I almost wrote down something about Sheila's death, and then I remembered that the line of dialogue is in a different movie, and we won't get into it. I, I had to double check, but I'm pretty sure that the Sheila situation was one of those, like, what I consider to be a good situation, where, similarly to what happened with the original Night of Living Dead, where the character wasn't really written to be any specific ethnicity, and they just gave it to the best person for the job. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that because, like, Sheila's character cause of that because it wasn't written with any like ethnicity in mind she's just a person i i understand that we don't want to like you know kind of fetishize people of color but in was this 87 yeah in 87 i think that it should be it, it should have been more important 
to have non-white people in horror movies that weren't getting killed off and like it's it's fine to be like oh I don't see color but it also makes you an asshole I'm not I'm not saying you're the oh, asshole no, 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 I'm no, saying no. the studio execs are kind of the assholes for being with like, Kincaid wasn't that like the whole point was to wipe out the remaining cast of the well, he joked, previous yes, one but it's also still a really fast kill he yeah. doesn't even put up a fight yeah he jokes around about that where he was like basically like his friends were like, I can't wait to see the movie. And he was like, well, don't go to the concession stand or you're going to miss me. Because because they must have realized that they forgot to kill the black guy in the third movie, so they made sure to get it done right away in the fourth movie. (laughs) Speaking of Kincaid, uh, so Freddy is resurrected by flaming dog piss, so that's a thing. That is awesome. (laughs) Okay, so that's what I'm saying is the the junkyard scene is so fucking cool, and the junkyard scene's lighting is so good. It's perfect. It's really good. The, the, like, Hellraiser-esque, like, stop-motion Freddy's body coming back together Mm -hmm. is really... Really tasty. This movie also, I think, I have to think about it a little bit deeper, but I actually think that this is the best way that Freddy has died in any of the movies as well, with, like, all of these souls basically tearing him apart from the inside and, like, his face collapsing. Because I feel like that's usually my complaint, is that most of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies really kind of suck with the Freddy kill at the yeah. end. Yeah, oh, no, I agree with you, but also the cool thing about it is that those effects still hold up. That's oh, yeah. So- that's what's so great about practical. Yeah, that's that Remy Harlan money right there. Oh, well, the thing is, is like, okay, so when did you do Prison? Did you do it before it or after this? I think you did it right after this, right? I think he got this because of Prison. So oh, I think, that's right. We've talked yeah. about it before. Yeah. Because then this did, because this was the most financially successful of all the Nightmare movies. Like, this one did, like, unbelievable numbers. And because of that, he got Die Hard 2. He got Cliffhanger. He got, like, all of these like multi-million dollar budgeted productions because this was only like a couple million like at the end of the day as big as these freddy movies are you always have to remember that like new line cinema was an independent film studio and like they tried to do everything on a budget and then like what ultimately killed them was doing like the lord of the rings movies like despite how successful those movies were did they do new line did lord of the rings new line did lord of the rings and i think it basically bankrupt them because no matter how successful that money that those movies were the money invested was like way higher than they could ever make back and they (laughs) sure tried with the hobbit movies if they owned (laughs) but yeah so i mean i'm glad that we rewatched this honestly because i picked this because i'm like hey it's got the cockroach kill. It's got a lot of things that I think are the best parts in Nightmare on Elm Street movies without being my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Just, like it's, it's just a compilation. It's a compilation movie. Yeah, you know? like cockroach kills my favorite kill. Anything, anything's my favorite song. It's your favorite Freddy kill. Freddy uh, death, rather. Best Freddy death at the end of this one. And I actually think that it's my favorite Freddy poster, too. With that weird, like, claymation head hanging of Freddy mm. hanging on the glove. Like, I think that's a really gnarly poster, too. I totally get why this movie... And, and then it's like, it's coming off the heels of of Dream Warriors, which is, like, so universally loved. Like, it's not a shocker that this movie crushed at the box office. Shocker! Yeah. Shocker! <laughs> so, you and like your... Slaughter. <laughs> you and your new cassette tape. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so does anyone have any pre-existing Last notes thing. before we dive in? Last thing. It's pretty wild to think about how white suburbia in the 80s just absolutely could not get off of Japanese culture's dick. Oh, no. Think about, like, karate. Be- like, karate was everywhere i mean it's probably the ninja turtles fault but like 
I don't I don't know what it was. It was something in the water and on Saturday morning cartoons, but everything was karate, you know? And it's like oh, this bastardized idea of, you know, like Asian culture and, you know, all that. But it's so funny because even I took martial arts classes. I, I was did absolutely too. I, awful. I saw the glint in Brian's eye when he was like, do I get to talk about the fact that Matt took karate for a couple years behind our parents' couple house? couple years? Yeah, there was a karate studio directly behind my parents' house. And they always had the windows open. So if you were sitting outside at night, you would literally just hear the classes. Going qua. <laughs> like for hours. I have a distinct memory of having to pause the 1988 blob to walk across the street to go to my karate class and like the last scene that I saw before I walked over there was the scene where the kids are getting killed in the sewer and like I had to step over a couple sewer trains on the way over and I was like uh. 17 was a rough year for Matt <laughs> I just remember you had the belts yeah I never got very far shocker I was not good at karate <laughs> don't say that word anymore we're here to Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Double features. I was going to go with Ernest Goes to Jail. Why not? <laughs> nice choice. Nice. I'll just go with Phantom of the Opera. Robert Englund. Be a Robert Englund. You know, I want you to stop rose tinting your experience with that movie on this show because honestly, you didn't like it that much when we discussed it two years ago. Maybe I really like the episode that we put out because I have fond memories of that movie and I don't know why. <laughs> oh, I don't even know, man. Probably next week's episode. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We'll find out Scott's double feature next week. So, things that you've watched that you want to talk about. I actually haven't been watching a ton. There's only one movie outside of what we've been watching for the podcast that I've watched since we last recorded. But I'm in the middle of watching Veronica Mars for the first time. And uh, that show's pretty tight, actually. <laughs> At least the first two seasons. I hear it goes to shit in season three. But uh, what, what season is it that she um, cheats on Jason Siegel? <laughs> no, have you ever watched Veronica Mars? That shit's fucking dark. <laughs> No, I've never watched it. I don't like, really like procedurals. I wouldn't even say it's a procedure. Like, I guess it is, but it it's like the movie Brick. Like, it's a teen flick that's also a film noir mm. where she's like a teen detective. Similarly to the structure of Buffy, you have like one main mystery that she's trying to solve for the entire season. And then like people are hiring her to solve like smaller mysteries, like who like stole someone's dog or whatever. But season two... Like, the first one was, like, already pretty heavy because it's, like, the mis the main mystery she's trying to solve is that her best friend was murdered, and she's trying to figure out who was the person who murdered her best friend. 
But then the second season is who blew up a school bus full of kids on the way home from a field trip. And you're like, holy shit, this is some heavy, dark, dark ass stuff. It's also like really funny. Like the like the writing's really witty and like the celebrity guests are ridiculous. Ah, sounds interesting. I'll piggyback off you because I also watch something dark and noirish. A few years ago, I started to watch Chinatown and I never finished it. So I was like, oh, let me rewatch this because I only saw half of it. I watched like the Maltese Falcon. I watched a lot of old black and white noir movies. So I wasn't prepared for what a depressing fucking ending Chinatown was. (laughs) It actually like ruined my night. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's the end. That's awful. I mean, it's it's definitely from that gritty 70s. Like you just depict the the depravity and depressingness of like society. And it's just like, that's just how it goes. The rich get away with shit. And it's like, good thing that doesn't happen in 2021 anymore. Oh (laughs) no. (laughs) Pick us out of that depression with, uh, what did you watch? Oh, you are welcome. I am. (laughs) We are watching Ted Lasso. Hey, (laughs) it is. It's so goddamn good. (laughs) <laughs> oh, he wouldn't say goddamn though. It's just so wholesome and, and wonderful. We I don't even know who told Megan to watch it, but she was like, you probably might not like it, but you know, and, and the thing is my buddy Mario was I, I he was like he chimed in when she said on Facebook that she that we were watching it and he was like, "I love that show. I watched it in 3 days." And I texted him the next day. I'm like, "Motherfucker, why did you not tell me?" He's like, "I didn't think you'd like it." I'm like, what is wrong with these people that don't think I like wholesome humor? To be fair, Scott, I I am always terrified to send you any recommendations because when you oh, don't like something, you made it, you make it very vocal how much you dislike. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think so. All right. I think that it's. I have opinions. I know that I I know it's not right. I I know I need to be calmer. It's not that you're aggressive. It's it, you're very calm. It's just the wording. You'll just be like. That is painfully unfunny, and I respect you less as a man for even thinking that it is. <laughs> okay, that does sound like. <laughs> what is Ted Lasso even on? I don't. It's on like Apple, right? Yeah, it's Apple Apple Plus TV. There, and I got to look into getting. God damn, there's too many fucking streaming services at this point. the The whole advantage of streaming was to save money on a cable bill, it's and eventually not. I'm going to be spending the same <laughs> amount of money. They're they're coming. They're coming. I was <laughs> like, pissed about Paramount Plus, but I I recently found out that I already have it. It's just not there yet. Paramount Plus is literally just C- CBS All Access. Yeah, it's going to be like hopefully anyway. I think that you're going to see more stuff like what Disney Plus did, where it's like hey, it's this and ESPN and Hulu, like, bundled. Like, I think you're going to start to see more bundle packages because it's starting to get out of control. Like, I'm sure I would enjoy Discovery Plus, but, like, I just don't have I, – I can't I can't keep signing up for streaming. <laughs> no, dude, I think, <laughs> I think the people that led the way are going to fucking have a tough time, too. Like, I yeah. really think that Netflix and Amazon Prime need to step their game up because like what I'll say about Disney plus and especially HBO max is like HBO 100%. Like as soon as a great show ends, a new one's starting and like Netflix kind of has like the stranger things, the Ozarks the you know, and they're just like, all right, that season's done. See you in two years, fuckers. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. They're like in the meantime, here's <laughs> nailed it, Mexico. <laughs> yeah. you know? like, all right. I guess I'll watch nailed it, Mexico. There's no contract. Yeah. There's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of shows that you're like, all right. <laughs> like, like I've watched a lot of one season shows on Netflix this pandemic because I'm just like, 
all right, I'll invest six hours to see how this is. And then I'm always like, uh. I'm lazy. I'm too lazy for it. And also I watch a lot of streaming, but if I was just someone that like was really into show, like let's say mom and dad, right? Yeah. Like what's to stop someone from literally just canceling their Netflix subscription and then reopening it for a month. Every time a new show comes out to binge watch in a week. Like, I think people are going to have to start doing the weekly episode releases. I like, like the weekly episode releases. Netflix did it for Great British Baking Show, and it was phenomenal to have that as, like, a weekly thing to look forward to. As opposed to, like, when you binge it all at once, and then by the time they're announcing the winner, you don't even remember who the fucking contestants were from, like, six hours ago when you started it. That works. Like, I don't think I would have enjoyed, as much as I loved season two of The Boys, even... I don't think I would have been as hooked to into it if I could have just sat down and knocked it out on a Saturday. Like, I think having to wait every Friday to see what happened next, like, built that anticipation up so much more. Yeah, this is bringing back the beautiful times pre-pandemic. <laughs> but just thinking, like, the Monday morning bets every week, like, every time an episode dropped a Game of Thrones, it's like, who's going to die next week? Like, what do we yeah. think is going to happen? Where do we think this is going? That shit's dope. Yeah. When you have people to discuss things and like bounce theories off, but like, I don't know, comedy well, shows, you can release them all at once. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't well, need to wait a week to see Big Mouth episode two. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, and, and I think that they're being smart about it for the most yeah. part. But like, like, I think even WandaVision, I think if you dropped WandaVision all at once, a lot of people would have checked out by like episode three. But like, you leave episode two with just enough, just enough intrigue that's like, all right, let's see where this goes next week. And like, then you're like sitting there and you're festering on like, well, what happens yeah. next now? <laughs> and not, not to keep us off track, but it's where we were just talking about WandaVision and how like, if it wasn't MCU and Disney plus that had such a big following, no show could get away with what WandaVision did. Oh, no, like no not. show could have the first two episodes be that and be like, Oh, they'll stick around for three. <laughs> <You know>? like, <laughs> if we have no other thoughts beyond that Tad La Ted Lasso's great, Chinatown's depressing, and Matt enjoys a teenage detective story that's almost two decades old at this point, then uh, I think it's time to say goodbye for this week. But we will be back next week with a horror comedy picked by our boy Scott Evil. Obviously, go and hit up the Patreon. Patreon's got a bunch of great stuff. Patreon.com backslash HMM podcast where we discuss are there any good part fours in the franchise we recorded that before this episode so maybe we should have mentioned this in that episode who knows I keep looking at Brian's pantomiming and it's throwing me off alright bye everybody Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. 
You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 